Hello, my name's Dave, and I'm the person who puts this stuff together. Uh, it's been a while since there's been anything out on the Getting Better Acquainted feed, but I've been prepping the last couple of days for a podcast course that I'm going to be teaching. And as part of that, I've been listening back to some talks that I've given about podcasting at a couple of podcast festivals, and I've decided to polish them up a little bit and put them out as Getting Better Acquainted Extras. The second of the two talks was recorded at the London Podcast Festival in 2019, and it's called Podcasting on a Shoestring. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Podcasting on a shoestring is what I decided to call this session. And it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be about that. It's it's also a kind of way of sneaking in, talking about DIY uh, podcasting and indie podcasting and the sort of podcasting that we don't always hear uh, certainly is lesser like mentioned in the press quite often. So, uh, so that's, that's, that's what I do. I uh, have been podcasting. For a long time now, uh, in podcast years, not in real years, like I sort of started in 2007, 2008. Uh, so somebody once called me the grandfather of podcasting. I'm not, uh, because that was way later, actually. Podcasting began a lot earlier than 2007. Uh, but I, in the UK, I was an early-ish person. So I've hung around for a long time. So people now book me uh, in small rooms. I started podcasting when a friend of mine said uh, he wanted to make a, a, a kind of radio drama uh, for the internet and I was like what's that wow okay and I wrote that um, hadn't listened to any podcast when I wrote it uh, the drama series that I wrote one of the episodes got nominated for a Sony radio award up against uh, answer me this of when I met, met Helen Zoltzman and uh, you know all of that sort of stuff but I'd never listened to a podcast uh, and there I was kind of representing podcasts i did then listen to podcasting and i got captivated by the diy spirit of those early podcasts uh if you've come late to podcasts you may not know the kind of uh wild west of audio that kind of began podcasting and when i was kind of captivated by those early podcasts i was kind of excited by the fact that anyone could do it and that there was there was at that time there was quite a lot of uh forgiveness with audiences like people were prepared to listen to, to stuff that was a bit ropey on the ears uh, and uh, because there was nothing else out there so nothing was competing against anything else so I started a podcast called Getting Better Acquainted which is the first podcast that I uh, think is good enough to mention by name um, Getting Better Acquainted is was conversations with people I know from my closest friends uh, and family to people I bumped into uh, parties or podcast festivals it's on hiatus now but uh, it, we, I did 350 50 episodes from 2011 to January this uh, this year when I put it on hiatus. There's a big back catalogue of people. And all I used to make that podcast was this little thing that I've got in my hand. Uh, it's a Zoom H2. Uh, I think this is a H2, yeah. Uh, they don't make these anymore. They make H2Ns now, uh, which are black and sleek and look much kind of better than this um, and are easier to to kind of 
use in terms of the buttons but apart from that they're basically the same thing and this i'm not necessarily recommending this fully but it worked well it worked very well and it lasted a long long time and it you know it's been through all weathers it's been through all circumstances and it's portable and you can take it around and so it was great and in fact even later as through the process of making getting better acquainted i sort of became a better audio maker and I uh, started making other podcasts too. Um, even when I can make better podcasts audio wise, um, I still used this anyway, because that was the concept of the show. You know, it started on this. It was supposed to be, you know, in the corner of the room overhearing you really. It wasn't about being close up to your, to your, to your uh, lips. And although, you know, some, some people don't enjoy that kind of sound quality. I quite, I'm quite a fan of messy sound actually. And I'm quite an advocate for, that so yeah so i made getting better acquainted then i moved on uh or kind of didn't move on but carried on uh doing other things i made a, a live show called stand up tragedy which was also released as a podcast uh these days i'm making the family tree which is an audio drama series kind of it's a weird show maybe i'll get into it later maybe not um so and i also make stuff for clients so i've worked i've done uh true stories stuff with spark true stories uh, i made uh, a series for cbb's radio called ministry of stories which was for for children um i, I make a, a show monthly show called the restart project which is very appropriate to this session it's all about changing our relationship with technology and making uh stuff sustainable and to last for longer i now produce made of human for sophie hagen and the breakup monologues for rosie Wilby and uh spark Sal on podcast is a, a podcast I recently made for a, a relatively corporate client. This is a slide from a different presentation, but I thought I'd put this in uh, to start things off here. Oh no, I've had a good idea. Like when you have that good idea, it's great. It's brilliant. It's a great idea, but then you have to make it. Uh, and that's hard. Uh, but if it's a really good idea, then you want to make it because nobody else is making it and you want to hear it. Um, and because you want to hear it, you put it together. Yeah. When the show that you want to listen to doesn't exist, the only way to hear it is to make it your Yourself, which is a big part of DIY thinking. Even if shows like the one that you really want to make already exist, it doesn't mean that yours won't be different. Re like, remember that we all bring ourselves to the podcast we make. So everything's a bit original because it's from us. So even if, you know, you want to, if you want to make uh, a show that's like about film and there are hundreds of podcasts about film, that's okay. You're allowed to um, make it your podcast about film and then it will be different from those other podcasts. It might be that you want to find a niche connection to what you're doing, like it might be a specific type of films, but it doesn't have to be because you are part of the podcast that you make. Tell people your idea because that helps it to become a reality, like they kind of expect it then. If you say you're making a podcast, you know, for a few months, your friends will be like, where's your podcast and then you'll be like oh right I better make that podcast I mean once you've made that podcast do not expect your friends to listen to it regularly they probably won't uh, most of my friends don't listen to anything I do now most of my friends are very fed up with you know me trying to promote my stuff to them um, and also the thing is the first podcast you make won't be your strongest so maybe don't show that to your friends maybe my, my maybe my friends would have listened to getting better acquainted if I hadn't made the terrible podcast that I tried to get them to listen to for a year before that right think big but be happy with small right like that's what i'm mostly going to be trying to communicate today like like work within 
what you can do, what your limitations are. They don't have to be limitations. They can be kind of why, you know, they can be obstacles in your way and obstacles are what makes good art, right? What makes good documentary, right? Because you, because you have restrictions. Like in the old days, they were, you know, one of the things about podcasts is they don't have radio style restrictions, right? So in the old days, there was a lot of very, very long podcasts. Um, I'm quite a fan of long form. I'm uh, getting better acquainted was long form. But at the same time, there is bad long form as well as good long form. Uh, make it, you know, like a film, right? There's brilliant long films, but there's those films that you're like, when's this going to end? Living within your kind of limits is a good thing. Uh, having limitations actually will make your work better. And, and when when people first started there was a lot of bad work made because or not not bad i don't really like these kind of moralistic judgments but there was a lot of endurance based podcasting uh richard herring in fact started off doing endurance based podcasting and it was it was interesting uh the collins and herring podcast it was it was always i think it was like an hour and six minutes because they recorded it on uh garage band uh, and that was the longest they could record onto it and it had like good bits in it and when there was no other podcast around it was worth listening to because it was exciting um but i wouldn't listen to it now right and so that so like it, now richard herring doesn't make stream of consciousness unplanned podcasts he plans them he he crafts them he's learned his craft uh the same way i have over the years he, and he started before me so he should be the grandfather of podcasts uh and he's older than me anyway so um <laughs> but anyway uh deciding on what podcast you want to make like so you've got your idea you're you, so you're bringing something different to the idea if it's uh, something that other people kind of work within. But there's other th considerations to have, like what is affordable for you to do? Because you can podcast for essentially nothing. Like if you've got a phone in your pocket, you can make a podcast. Uh, phones are better now as well in terms of recording. Uh, voice notes, you know, all you need to do, record onto voice notes, put it onto your computer, use a free audio editing software so it's not completely free you have to have a computer or a laptop but apart from that that's all you need right so 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 that might be what you choose to do but maybe you've got loads of money if you've got loads of money get the best kit right why not um you know what is affordable to you is, is, a, is an important question to ask what is achievable and achievable is about how much time have you got in your life um, and how much can you give to podcasting? When I made Getting Better Acquainted, it was a weekly show. And because it was a weekly show, I had a really high turnaround, right? And it was an edited show. I didn't put it out unedited, even though people thought it was unedited. That, and that is a compliment to my editing, actually. Um, but it was a weird compliment because I didn't listen back. I would, because of the fact that I had to get it out every week and I had a day job and I had to fit it into my life, I was like, what can I achieve? I can get a weekly show out, but it might be a little bit rough and ready with the edits here and there. Uh, fine. You know, that was what I could do. You know, I had a day job. I was learning my craft. Like what's the, what's, what have I lost from that? So, you know, thinking about achievability is really important because people, you know, talk about pod fade. It happens a lot when you have a great idea, you have some great shows uh, and then they stop. And there's so many podcasts I wish had carried on that, that stopped. And the reason they stop is because they haven't thought about what, what they can fit into their life. Uh, and podcasting is a big time commitment. If you're editing a show, it's, you're going to spend at least, uh, 
like three times or twice as long as the audio you've got, right? So even when I was doing that editing, like really, really rough editing, like once through and not listening back, you know, if I, if I had an hour conversation I was editing, it would be a whole morning's work, right? Um, maybe even a day's work if it was a difficult edit. So, you know, that's, that's something to keep in mind. Like we can often think, well, yeah, podcasting, uh, is anyone can do it. So it must be achievable for everyone. Well, the fact that everyone can do it doesn't mean that you can do it like the way that they do it. Like find out how it fits for you. There's a lot more podcasts out there now as well. So this commitment to a weekly uh, podcast doesn't have to be the way you think about it. People put seasons out. People do like once a month or twice a month. There's a lot of different ways you can do this. Uh, and you might think of a new way. That's the other thing. You know, what can you do? Like what is achievable to you? You might think of a, of a way of doing podcasts that works for you and it's new it's kind of new it doesn't I, I can't think of one in terms of uh scheduling but there'll be other there'll be other areas you know like podcasting still hasn't had all of its possibilities explored what are my limitations as i said what do they give me as well as what do they take away you know if you have to record rough messy audio what can that give you sonically? What can that, what soundscapes can that give to people? And how can you make that kind of gimmick, right? Like that's with, with getting better acquainted. That was kind of the thing I did. You know, it's always with this, you know, like I said, with this, with this like rough recorder, it's always on the side of the table that the, the recorder became a character. I like the, you know, when we were outside and the wind blows and I have to put a windsock over it and you literally hear me doing that, you know, that, 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 becomes part of the experience now i'm not saying everyone should do that and certainly that wasn't popular with every listener uh but um you know think about how you can make your limitations into your strengths and actually maybe your unique selling uh, point for your podcast and what do you care enough about that you will keep being interested in it like that is really important if you don't love your idea then you won't keep making it. It doesn't matter how rich you think your idea will make you. If, if you don't love it, you won't keep making it because it probably won't pay for a long time, if ever. Uh, I hate to break it to you at this point. Um, so, you know, make sure that what you do is something that you will keep doing uh, because you love it, because you are interested in it. It's very unlikely that podcasting will be a get rich quick option for you. At best, it may be a get enough money to just about pay your bills pretty slowly. Uh, so, I mean, that's it. Like, that's me. I've been podcasting, as I say, since uh, 2007, like pro podcasting semi-professionally from 2011. I've been freelance for six years. Uh, I can just about pay my bills and I now live in Lancaster. I would only say that I've been comfortably making a living from podcasting for about a year and a half. So consider that when deciding how much money and how much time you want to invest into your podcast. You might want to invest loads of money and loads of time into it because you don't care that you're not going to get those things back. Um, but you've got to assume that you might not, at least might not, and probably won't. Um, so only invest what you're prepared to lose. Reasons for shoestring podcasting, which essentially means doing it as cheap as possible. Uh, there are a lot more than just the obvious ones. So the first one I think uh, that I put at the top, because I do think it's probably the most important, is environmental, right? Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, I do a lot of work with the Restart Project. Um, the more that we can keep our technology going, the better for all of us. Every time you buy a new microphone, you've bought a load of carbon that won't get you know won't get back into the world you've you've uh you're you're you know that 
supply line you know there's all sorts of ethical concerns about where our technology comes from so once you've got a piece of kit you know keep it for as long as possible you know that's what they say on the restart project they say you know the best phone is the one you own right because whatever you've got in your pocket that's better to keep that than buy an ethical phone that you've then bought a new thing and and contributed more to kind of carbon issues so environmental is important this computer here that i was going to do my powerpoint presentation from but in fact uh, it's so old that the connection didn't work and they had to put it onto this this uh, one that isn't mine but this computer here you know i've had since i since i started podcasting like i've kept that kit going i have not got new uh laptops I've I've often really wished I had, but I've not done that, partly for financial reasons, mostly for financial reasons. Let's be honest, I'm not a saint, but there is an, there is an environmental element to that. And it's worth keeping that in mind. Financial, obviously, there are personal and there are social benefits to keeping things cheap in terms of podcasting. Personal for you because of your, your own bank balance, but also the wider social reason for podcasting, for talking about podcasting on a shoestring is that people without money can do it if we make that an acceptable thing for people to do and i don't know about you but i want to hear more voices right more voices from different kinds of people now we often and very rightly talk about hearing from you know people of color and uh, queer people and all sorts of groups but we but you know class is an intersection and the, and also one that affects all of those groups worse you know if you're you're young and you're queer and and you're black you probably don't have very much money and so if you if you we want to get those people in we have to tell them you don't need any money to do this and we have to say to ourselves and to other audiences if people haven't got much money and they're making the best work that they can don't shame them for their sound quality enjoy their voices because we're not hearing from them you know um so there's a social reason for talking about diy and independent podcasting it increases the people in the room or you know in our earbuds um there's an aesthetic reason for doing it as i said you know rough and messy sound doesn't have to be looked at as un- as a bad thing you know like so and and also cheap podcasting on your phone you know that means you can go anywhere you can you 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 know it affects not just the aesthetic but the content so it's a portable device you can take anywhere it means you can record in places that have not ever been recorded in by people with these kind of mics and these kind of setups that i've got here subtle right that's what i was saying before that if you've got a little device or you've got a phone it doesn't feel like you're interviewing someone not in the same way that it does if I shove this mic in people's faces, which I do a lot, I get a different response than if I have this on the table in the background and they've stopped thinking about it by 45 minutes in and they say something really powerful that they may never have said in that way. Uh, I don't, I'm not encouraging people to be unethical. Like I you know everybody has known that they're being recorded when I've, when I've recorded them, but still, um, people will, will forget. Will it, will appreciate the fact that they forgot because they did a better, they gave you better, uh, tape as we weirdly still call it, even though no one uses tape anymore. Familiarity. Yeah. Like the kit that you use, if you keep it for a long time, you know, that kit, if you keep upgrading that you don't know what, what the kit is, this microphone I'm recording into now, I know this microphone very well, but the device that it's recording into is a relatively new piece of kit to me. You know, I don't know if what I record now is going to be as good because I don't know that kit. Um, and if I had not 
had my nice bit of kit that stopped working that I'm sad about, uh, then uh, if I still had that, I would be more confident going into the situation like this that I would get what I, what I want at the end of it. So, you know, the bright, shiny new thing might look pretty, but you don't know how to use it yet. Whereas the thing that you've had, you know, our phones, for example, we kind of know how to use our phones. Community is about like when you're trying to make your kit last longer, when you're trying to make make work with less money, you meet people because you talk to people. You say like you ask other people what they're doing. You kind of like get to, you ask all your friends who knows about audio. That's the first question you should ask, really, when you when you decide to want you want a podcast, like find out who you know, who's got kit like you. They might want to share that kit with you. You don't have to pay any money for your friend's uh, microphone that they lend you every Saturday. Do you know what I mean? So you you actually start to create community through the the desire to make work and to make work cheaply. Uh, and also it's an interesting story. Like you can say, like if you're standing in front of people and doing a TED style talk, right? You can say, you know, like I have done all of this on a phone, right? Or I have done all of this with uh, a microphone that I bought years and years ago that has lasted this long. And it actually can be part of your story, part of how you sell your show. Um, and it can be, and it, and it will affect your point of view. If you get the super best kit and you buy yourself a, a studio and you attach it to your house, all of which you can do. And if you've got the money, why not? But you will then only know what it's like to have good kit. You will only know what it's like to make us uh, really professional stuff. And so your perspective will be from that. Um, and so there is a value in having an outsider perspective. And uh, that is one of the things I think that you can get from this. Professional podcasting. Yeah, like, as I say, to be a professional in podcasting, there's two kind of factors. You've got making a living from podcasting. That's what people consider to be professional. So if I say I make a living from, from podcasting at a party, people will be like, oh, I see. I'll take that a little bit more seriously. Only a little bit. Although more, more so now, the more people know about podcasting, the more people take me seriously at parties so that's good for me and the other thing that people consider to be professional is professional sound quality so those are the two factors um but the actual reality of how that works is this venn diagram here so you've got like professional sound quality and making a living from podcasting people in the middle are kind of professional podcasters but you've got plenty of people making a living from uh from podcasting who do not make professional sound quality i am one of those people sometimes i do make professional sound quality that's now one of the tools in my box that i can choose to do but the podcasting i originally made did not have professional sound quality there's loads of people as well who make super brilliant sound quality but no one listens to their shows. So, you know, remember that. Like at the end of the day, it is not all about sound quality. As much as you do need to keep sound quality in mind, particularly as audiences' expectations have risen, uh, it has become harder to kind of get away with bad sound quality. But keep in mind, uh, Serial uh, is one of the most famous podcasts. A lot of that was recorded on a prison telephone, right? Um, so how you frame that bad sound quality can also change how people will relate to it. So you can, you can do lots of really rough recording out in the field. And if you frame it with beautifully recorded narrations and music, people will consider you to be, you know, a, a proper professional. Um, whereas if you take that stuff and just put it out raw, they're, they're a bit more snobby about you. Uh, both of those approaches are valid and, and, and not wrong. Um, but, you know, keep all of those things in mind. So general thoughts and tips. Uh, think big 
but spend small. Like, what can you do with the smallest amount of money that you spend? Uh, you know, with my show, The Family Tree, which is a drama series, like that's super big in scope. It does so many things, but I've, I, rec I recorded most of it still on one of these. And also, you know, that becomes part of, if you want to make drama, I think that's definitely something to consider. Background sound when you're making drama is, is realism. So when, when, when you, you know, I've recorded scenes for that, uh, for that podcast at like Paddington station or whatever, and you've got the noise of people at Paddington station in the background. And that can be part of what, what throws people into the drama. So if you have people at Paddington station talking about impossible magical things, it kind of makes the impossible magical things a bit more believable because there's the sound of Paddington station around it. Uh, make your limitations into strengths. I know I've said that before, but I'm going to keep saying it. This is my central uh, message. So I like to repeat it as many times as possible. Find the best way to work with the resources you have. Find the best way to work that fits with who you are and what your life looks like. Good content is better than good sound quality. It just is. Uh, I'm afraid. There are a lot of sound purists out there. They've got valid arguments and reasons. I'm not saying sound quality is unimportant, but if you don't have good content, it can sound as, as great as you like, but people won't enjoy it. Uh, Try before you buy where you can so that you spend your money on things that work for you, right? Uh, that's a good example. This is a good example of it. This new recording device, which is a Zoom H6 that I have here. Um, I first tried it when uh, I had a client. They asked me what kit to get. I, I had wanted to try one of these for ages and I recommended that they get this kit. Then I used it for the project I was doing with them. So now, even though I am a bit nervous using it because I don't know it that well, I know it quite well because I've used it already with their project and in fact uh you know you can do that there are lots of approaches to trying before you buy if you know someone who's got kit you can borrow it off them making use of opportunities so when i travel somewhere i try to uh book in some other recordings right and especially if someone's paying for me to travel then i'm they're paying for me to do extra work that i can then use for myself yeah, like if you've got your phone in your pocket, does it, even if your podcast is a really well sound produced podcast and you normally do it well, you meet Barack Obama in the airport lounge and you can, you know, say, hey, you've done a few podcasts. Why don't you do mine and get your phone in his face? You know, I don't suggest doing that because you probably, well, it's going to be a bit easier now he's not president, but still, he's still going to probably have security. Also, I'm talking like annual leave. When I, when I had a day job, I used to think really cannily about how to use my annual leave to help me make my podcast. I didn't have very many holidays, but I did take a lot of days off that allowed me to make podcasts for years. Uh, it didn't give me much free time, but you know, you make the decisions that you make. Treat obstacles like puzzles to solve. Like I, that's what I like to do. Like, like for example, another example from the family tree, we wanted to set some stuff in the Amazon rainforest. Obviously we don't have the money to travel over to the Amazon rainforest. So I recorded, you know, the two actors in a tent in a drummer's basement because it's quite soundproofed. Um, and then got somebody else to sound design the sound of the Amazon around that. Right. So that was the solution to the problem, you know? Um, and then it sounds like we did go to the Amazon actually, because we, we got a very good sound designer in to do it and we spent the money there um, but obviously much cheaper than going to the Amazon you're always learning and improving so uh, like everything you do is useful uh, so don't think like if oh I've recorded that all badly 
good. Like you've learned, you've learned something, you know, yeah. Okay. It might be material that you can't get back, but you know, you've learned, you've developed and also you know, decide what your priorities are and focus on achieving those priorities. So if your priority is good sound quality, make that a priority. You can do it for cheap, but if that's not your, your priority, then fine. It's not particularly a priority for me when I do my own personal projects and not focusing as much on sound quality has allowed me to make a lot of interesting things I wouldn't have made if I'd have been kind of censoring myself all the time, like worried about what I was doing. Perfectionism and weekly schedules do not fit well together. Like I said earlier on, when I made Getting Better Acquainted, I did it very guerrilla style without going back over it. And that is because they don't go well together. Choose a form, style, genre, etc., that works within what you can achieve. Um, and I've, th that's what I mean. Like with, with the family tree, that's, uh, improvised, uh, the, the scenes are improvised, but we work a lot before them. But the fact that they're improvised uh, means we can fit it into the actor's schedule so much easier than if they had to learn the scripts. Um, we could have them holding the scripts, but that would make a very different kind of show. The form, the style, uh, the con content, they all should kind of fit together, um, I think. like The best stuff, for me at least, is stuff where the content and form are kind of the same expectations the more professional or successful you are and i use inverted commas around them because i don't really respect either of those words particularly um but you might and that's fine if you do um but the more professional and successful you are the more chance you will have to spend money due to tech disasters and deadlines if you're committed if you've got a contract then you might then you're gonna often have to spend more money basically if your kit goes wrong you know, a week or so, a couple of weeks or so before you're coming down to do a podcast festival, then you end up having to buy a new piece of kit at the last minute because you're doing that, right? Uh, if, if I hadn't have been successful and professional, I would have saved some money um, because I could have waited to sort of try and fix my kit. I could have maybe found a way to do it. I could have found a new solution that would have been savvy and financially sensible. But so don't always think of success and professionalism as, as, as perfectly like positive things. They will cause you problems as well as, uh, help you out. Uh, not being dependent on podcasting for an income uh, definitely helps you to keep the costs down and your schedule flexible. If you are dependent on podcasting for an income, manage the, the expectations of your clients and your own expectations about what you can do. Like, don't say I can give you a weekly show to somebody, especially if you've, if you've no experience of podcasting and you talk to somebody and get a deal, which can happen before you've even made a podcast be wary, like, do not say, oh, yeah, I'll do you a daily podcast. No, do not say that, you know, like, like, you know, these, I mean, it's funny, but it, but, but, but because when you do commit yourself to those things, you, you will deliver, you'll probably deliver. It'll just make your life hell. You know, you'll just have no time and you'll just be miserable and you'll just be like, why did I decide to do this? <laughs> why am I still doing this? I, I just want to speak to another human being, not press a little button on the front of my laptop. So yeah, manage expectations for yourself and for others. Uh, this piece of kit I used for years. I didn't pay for it. Helen Zoltzman gave it me because she didn't like it. Um, and I, I used it for years and years and years. Uh, I was excited to bring it down and show you, to show you it all, but it stopped reading my sound cards uh, and I don't know how to fix it. I will fix it. I will try and fix it because like I said to you earlier on, familiarity 
it's, it's, it's very useful for me because I, I know how to use it so well that I do want it to start, start working as, again. And also it's got a side strap, you know, and so it actually makes it much more useful for portable stuff than this really impressive, uh, thing that's essentially like a four track. It's actually really cool, but it doesn't have a side strap. Uh, so it's actually less good for me than this. So in terms of kit, you've got software, hardware, something to edit on. Those are what you need. Those three. Uh, as I say, in terms of hardware, you've got your phone in your pocket, your laptop. That's the basics. Uh, or, or, you know, if you buy uh, a portable field recorder, that would be instead of your phone. Uh, that's your hardware that you will basically need. You can get loads more. There's loads of other things you can do, but those are the basics you need. Software, you need some editing software. You can get that for free. You're fine. Um, you're going to need uh, wires and plugs and storage space. Those probably will come up as well. You probably will need those over time, uh, particularly storage space because audio is large. Uh, so you will need to think about how like, you will either end up paying for the cloud or you'll end up paying for a terabyte drive or whatever, but you'll end up paying for storage. Uh, so it's worth keeping that in mind at the beginning so you can plan for that when it comes. Okay, approaches to sorting things. Who do you know? What do you need? Uh, are kind of the most important ones. As I said, to you, said earlier on, like, uh, who do you know who, who has kit? Who do you know who has expertise? Borrowing and stealing. Now, I know it's controversial to say stealing, and we'll get into that a bit more later, but, uh, borrowing, certainly that's not controversial, right? So, so, but, but consider borrowing things, not recording anything. You know, that's possible. You can make a podcast from found sounds. You can find sounds on the internet. You can, you could, like, you could literally never have a microphone and you could still make a podcast. Um, there is, you know, copyright free material out there. Uh, you could, uh, you could get, your guests to record stuff and you not have yourself at all be in it and if you do that you just be sort of sending out to people like can you record what you think about this thing on your phone they send you that you you edit it you don't even need extra kit for yourself uh they've recorded themselves this is a graphic that i send out to guests when i want them to record their side of the audio it was recreated by andrew norton from cbc which is like the canadian version of the bbc and it just takes it through step by step so as soon as they've recorded they haven't just recorded it they've sent it straight away you really want your guests to do that it can be a nightmare when they don't i recorded an imam and i said uh, at the end of his recording are you going to send this to me straight away? And he kind of implied, of course, you know, trust in Allah, right? And then didn't send it me for a month. Uh, I spent a whole month terrified, but I think he did that to teach me something about faith. Um, sharing kit, people don't think about that as much as they should. Like how, how many other podcasters do you know? Can you arrange a kit share? Uh, you know, that's a really worthwhile approach. Uh, secondhand. So eBay, uh, is, is probably one of the first places to start. I mean, even like checking, like go around charity shops. Do you know what I mean? Like asking around like your mates who have kit, are any of them buying new mics? Can you have their old ones? Most of my secondhand kit that I've got over the years has been from podcasters who they've leveled up and I've got their hand-me-downs. It used to be the same with Sega Mega Drive and Master System back when I was a kid. I used to always have the, the, the less good one than everyone else because my mate would give it me. Fixing up old kit and making your own kit. Like if you've got those skills... Uh, use them. If you're technically, technologically, uh, minded, then use them. If you don't have those skills, learn them. 
right? You can definitely learn them. There's YouTube videos all over the place to teach you how to do this stuff. If you don't have the kit, make it for yourself. I'm not the best expert on actual mechanics stuff. So find online sort of places to find out about that stuff. There's a a site called iFixit where there's a lot of people dedicated to how to fix stuff. Um, And and also, you know, when I mentioned the Restart Project before, they have things called Restart Parties that you can attend. They have quite a lot in London, but also around the, the country where you can take your broken kit in and get uh, sit down with someone who knows how to fix things and they'll teach you how to fix your kit while they're fixing it for you. So you'll learn stuff, but also uh, you'll get your kit fixed. Hopefully, it's not an exact science. Not everybody's kit can be fixed. But, um, but you know, there are lots of places like that. There's other organizations that aren't the Restart Project uh, out there. So, like, look around. Like, Google is your friend. We've all got that. Uh, you know, so use that. Like, look at, look around. And, and, and like I say, think around these projects. They're puzzles to solve. Like, they're not, they're not problems. They're puzzles. Get clients to buy your, buy your kit. As I say, if you've got a corporate client, they should be buying you the best mics. You should not be buying the best mic and for your corporate client. Uh, <laughs> do not do that. Pillow forts, wardrobes, cafes, and busy streets, which means that you can build a soundproof room with a pillow fort. You can sit in your cupboard and record. Loads of podcasters do that. Uh, so if you want that kind of studio uh, clean sound, good sound quality, you can do that for free and cheap, right? You don't have to go and hire out a studio. But similarly, you can also record in a cafe, record in a busy street. If you get the mic close enough, it will be pretty good sound quality anyway. But as I said, there is also a value to recording the whole room. Pop shields made from tights and coat hangers. When I used to be in bands, I would make all of my pop shields out of bent up coat hanger and some tights. Uh, and it would m- stops the plosive P's from sounding as bad. Um, and it works just as well for, for podcasting. So, you know, think it through like this is sponge. You know, have you got a sponge in your house? Like if you've lost your, your sponge for this, just, you know, get a bathroom sponge, cut it down, stick it on your, on your microphone. Uh, there's a lot of copyright free music and images out there. Sometimes you have to pay a license to buy it, but, uh, why, you know, that's not necessarily a bad, expense also you can ask your friends who write who, who make music that's my favorite like way of, of sourcing music because that gives your friends something and it gives you something uh and you know recording live live events like keep that in mind like if you go to a live event all you really need is a, a wire like this it's got double phono on one side and small jack on the other and some uh converters from the phono to make big jacks if you have that and your laptop or your phone or a field recorder, then you can record any live show out there. Basically, that lead will allow you to plug into any live recording box. And that means that you don't need to know about tech. You just need to have a sound tech at a venue that you've hired. They can do your tech for you. You just take out the audio and you've got pretty much a podcast there. If you want to edit it, you can, but it's a live show. It's a live experience. Lots of podcasts are like that and people might enjoy it. And that's a very cheap bit of kit. So you don't, you wouldn't have to have anything really apart from a venue, an arrangement with a venue. And you can do that. Uh, if you find the right venue, you can have that for free or cheap, you know, or, you know, profit share or that, you know, bar spend or whatever. There's different deals to do. 
Uh, Audacity is free. So that's the free sound uh, editing software that you can get. Uh, I don't necessarily recommend it, but it's free. And so, and also like GarageBand comes free on a lot of uh, Apple, Apple stuff. So like if, if you're starting up, use the free stuff. Of course, why not? Stealing and hustling. I'm not advocating breaking any laws. Certainly, I speak for myself and not for any of the clients that I work for when I advocate stealing. However, throughout history, artists and makers who have broken laws have created art that has enriched and enlightened all of us. I'm not saying it's morally right, but you will have artists who you love, uh, be them painters, be them uh, musicians, who kind of stole some stuff at the beginning to kind of get things to work, right? I mean, that's just like a, way, a thing that has happened throughout history. Um, lots of terrible things have been considered legal and lots of terrible things are still considered legal and lots of laws have been and are unjust. So, I mean, I would suggest that, you know, hustling in general, which doesn't, doesn't just mean stealing, it means kind of bending the laws to suit you, you know, maybe recording somewhere that you're not legally supposed to record, but then like no one will ever know. Like that's not like the kind of stealing that we're like, would, would really mortally offend all of us, I hope. Um, so, you know, bending things when you haven't got very much money, it's not just useful, it's necessary for a lot of people. Let's just be honest. You know, when you haven't got any money, you, you can't afford to care about what's legal. You have to live. I'm not saying that you'll starve if you don't make podcasts, right? So I'm not saying podcasts necessarily fall into the, into the, the bracket of like, yes, you can do this completely if you're, if you're poor and, and not worry about the consequences. I'm not necessarily saying that. But as I said, I want to hear more voices. Uh, I'd like to hear the voices of homeless people, for example. And I wouldn't mind if those homeless people stole the kit that they recorded on. Uh, I believe in being ethical, though. I mean, obviously, what is ethical is both subjective and contextual, but I'm not giving you all permission, and, and not that I can give anyone permission anyway as an individual in society, but I'm, I'm not giving you, like, carte blanche to go out and rob a bank, right? I'm not saying, like, yeah, rob a bank and make, build, build, a, build a podcast skyscraper for yourself with that money. No, like, think about what's ethical, what's right, and how you can give back if you do start out sketchy, how can you finish in a more positive way when you're established? How can you pay back to the people who kind of come after? Yeah. So these are just some examples of like ethics, right? Like, you know, when we're talking about stealing, you know, would you consider taking shower gel from a hotel, stealing, taking condiment packets from a restaurant? Would you keep 20 pounds that you find on the street, you know, and put, would you put that in your pocket? Um, using the word photocopier or printer for your personal use. That's actually quite a useful thing for podcasters, potentially. You know, like maybe you would do that, maybe you wouldn't, but I just thought I'd put it on a slide. Using your own work, you know, your day job work time to make your podcast. I couldn't possibly say whether I've done that in my life. Um, but, you know, you might do that. You know, when I'm talking about stealing, I'm not just, I'm not talking about the obvious bad stealing. There's a lot of other ways that you can kind of find to, to make your work. Skipping out a few, uh, obviously pirating audio software is an option. I don't necessarily think it's a worthwhile option since there are free audio software out there now. But when I started, there wasn't. Not that I'm admitting to anything, uh, obviously. 
using multiple email addresses so that you can get a lot more than your two free hours of monthly uh, euphonic processing time uh, it's a very specific thing euphonic is a, a website that sort of basically just processes your files in a really nice way i do recommend using it you get two hours for free per email account so if you need to you can do that uh, if you don't need to, then you should pay for it because Euphonic's a super useful tool. And if we pay for it, it continues to exist for all the people who need to make multiple uh, email addresses. So you see, like, if you pay when you can, then it helps everybody. Sneaking into a radio station that you worked for for a few years after you've been fired and recording some podcasts. That is how WTF with Mark Marin began. And he's interviewed Barack Obama for realsies. Uh, so, you know, sometimes, as I say, a little bit of sketchiness at the beginning can go a long way. You know, now he's in glow and like a big actor and everybody, you know, knows him in a different way than he ever would have done if he hadn't have uh, done that right there back at the beginning. So, as I say... Like, I think you need to ask, who does the actions that you're taking hurt? Uh, who are you stealing from, taking advantage of? And you need to pay it forwards and give it back where you can if you do my uh, hustling and stealing uh, tips, which I don't necessarily condone or recommend for legal reasons. Uh, yeah, to pay or not to pay, getting interesting guests to appear on your show is easier than you think, although they may not have, it may not have much of an effect an effect on your listener stats they don't share it they won't care nobody will listen to your show because you have a good guest on it necessarily but your show will be good if you get a good guest uh, as well as like think about the fact that non-famous people are also interesting and they're really happy to come on shows uh so like you know consider those things but if they if someone says to you well, I won't do it unless you pay me. Don't be offended by that. We're all just trying to get by in life, right? And they, they have their limits. They, you have your limits. They have their reasons. You have your reasons. Don't, like, just shrug it off and ask another person. And they'll say yes. Don't get into the back and forth. It's really not worth your or their time. If you aren't paying guests, and even if you are, try to make the experiences that guests have as easy and fun for them as possible. Um, you know, because otherwise, you know, why? Why, what, you know, you're, it's an exchange. It doesn't have to be monetary, but an exchange is good. Paying performers, artists, writers, etc., and or having uh, potential payment mechanisms in place for contributors and collaborators, that's good practice. Uh, it's good practice because it helps them to get money and all of that stuff, but it's actually good practice for you. If you can afford to do it, they'll be more committed to your project. They will give you better tape if you pay them. They'll care about promoting it if... If they promote it, they'll get a share of the Patreon with you. Then they'll promote the hell out of it, right? So it actually saves you money, potentially, uh, paying people where you can. Um, but be really clear about money. Uh, don't avoid it as a topic. Like, be really clear. Lay it out from the start. Um, and just even a token amount of money will give... Uh, get you in their good graces. Um, but all that said, there's nothing wrong with profit share or making things with friends for the hell of it. Um, when I used to be in a band, I was in a 
big band. There's like 15 people in the band. Uh, it was a complete profit share. We made no money. You can't make money with like 15 people in a band. Um, but once I was looking for a, a producer to be part of the band and produce us as we were going along. And I had this really angry email from another, another producer saying, you'll never find a producer that wants to work for a, a, pro- a profit uh, share. You need to pay your producers. That's so offensive. And I was like, you know, sorry, I don't have the money. I can't, I, you know, if, if no one wants it, then that's fine. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. I'm not trying to make you. The next day I had two different producers approach me because they were attracted by the idea of a profit share, right? Of being part of a big band, of, of being an equal member of a democratic process of 15 people that's making music. That appealed to two different producers. The day after somebody said, I would never find someone. So keep that in mind. You know, there's a lot of people in this world. We all have different way routes through it. Uh, look after your kit, right? Like keep it as long as possible. That's the restart approach. Like don't like, uh, so th- to make your kit last, keep it, you know, safe. Uh, say, keep it clean, uh, not just keeping things clean and organized in, in, in like the physical world, but also the inside, the internal workings of your laptop, you know, updates, uh, making sure you don't have too much stuff, junk filling your, uh, laptop up, your, you know, your phone, keeping your, your good, good phone, uh, cleanliness inside and out you know and actually lit but i also do mean literally cleaning as well like like my, i mean my my laptop's not a good example of this at the moment but i do clean it quite regularly like in between the in between the keys all of that and that's one of the reasons that it's lasted so long it's often a big time commitment to clean your stuff and to keep it safe um but it's much worse if your tech goes wrong all of a sudden and then you lose a load of time Online resources and teaching, like you can find stuff online that will help you to know uh, what to do. Uh, this is Reaper. That's my preferred audio editing program of choice. It is very intuitive. It doesn't crash. You can drag stuff over into it really easily. You can use it for free, but then if you want to keep using it, you need to pay. I think it's like $60. So that's like 40 quid. And it's the best. Like, it's so good. It's so intuitive. It doesn't crash a computer. You know, if, if, if it's a choice between Audacity, which is free, and Reaper, which is 40 quid, get Reaper if you can. Um, it's great. My copy of that was bought for me by Martin Ostwick, who is Martin the Soundman in, uh, in Answer Me This. So I haven't had to pay for that. Uh, if you've got somebody who can pay for things for you, then do get them to do that. Uh, I recommend it. Yeah, it does. There's a lot of processing options with it. There's a lot of plugins that you can get as well that will do processing stuff. Um, you might want to like use Euphonic that I mentioned earlier on to do some processing as well, that which is an online place. There's a lot of different things that you can do with processing. I'm not going to go into them because that's not the focus of this. But yeah, it can do cool stuff. It can do all of the editing stuff that you might want. Hosting, you have to host your podcast somewhere. Libsyn's the place I generally recommend. They've all got different strengths and weaknesses. Some of them you don't have to pay for. So do if you have a zero budget, choose one that you don't have to pay stuff for. But you kind of get what you pay for. So if you don't pay, you often don't have enough storage space to make a, a long podcast. Really. You can do it all yourself. You can actually DIY all of that um, if you're a really good coder and know how to do make your own RSS feeds, uh, then do. And if you're not, then everything I said about 
engineering is the same for software. You can learn that stuff. Um, I haven't, um, because there's only, you have to decide your priorities, as I said earlier on, but you can, if you want, learn that stuff. But yeah, you have to upload it to a host and there's a little fee to pay. But it's basically, once you've done that, like it's like a, for, it's a, it's an internet form. So you've, you've, if you've been online and filled in an internet form, then it's like that. You upload your podcast, you upload your artwork, you put in your blurb. Say publish, and if you're lucky, it all happens and it all goes fine. You also then have to take that feed and send it to iTunes, send it to everywhere else that you want it to go because it doesn't automatically do that necessarily. Although Libsyn, for example, does go automatically to to, uh, Spotify, which is one of the reasons I would recommend Libsyn. But yeah, that's basically my sort of whistle-stop tour through shoestring podcasting. Because this talk was recorded in the before times, before the pandemic and the lockdowns that have come with it, there are a few extras that I'd like to add here at the end. First of all, something that's not really related to the pandemic, but I thought I would add it since time has passed. These days, I generally recommend Buzzsprout as my podcast host of choice. I still do rate Libsyn and I still do use Libsyn, but I think Buzzsprout offers the most, particularly to a new podcaster who doesn't have the skills yet, who wants to do things on a budget, who wants to make podcasts on a shoestring. With a little bit of extra money per month, Buzzsprout offers its magic mastering service, which is very much like Euphonic and will make your audio the right volume and clean it up and make it podcast ready. So if you don't want to learn how to master, if you haven't got to that point yet in your podcasting journey, then Buzzsprout is good for that. It also offers uh, a transcription service. It also does what it calls visual sound bites, which other people might know as audiograms or audio which is basically a little video with a graphic that you can put a clip of audio on and it's good for sharing on social media. And generally speaking, Buzzsprout is good for social media in general. And crucially, another thing that it does really well is it sorts out a lot of the admin for you in terms of getting your podcasts out on podcast directories and submitting your RSS feeds to places. So it's got a whole directory section and it will sort out the sometimes difficult to navigate stuff that involves getting your stuff on Spotify or on Google Play or on Amazon Music, all of the different places where podcasts can be put. So Buzzsprout is my number one recommendation at the moment, but things change and it certainly isn't necessarily the cheapest option, although you can have up to two hours for free as part of its free package. Uh, If you want more audio than that or mastering, then you're going to want to pay a little bit more money. And so it works out at like uh, maybe £15 a month, 10 to £15 a month. The other thing that has changed and is very important for your shoestring podcaster is that most people now are familiar with using 
Zoom. Now, Zoom is different from the microphone Zoom. It is the video communication software that so many of us have been using during this time. Uh, the fact that there are two Zooms within the world of podcast make for some hilarious hijinks when you're talking to other podcasters about confusing moments. But generally speaking, Zoom means that everybody can be reached on a platform which it's relatively easy to record them on. If you go into your Zoom settings, you can set it so that it records every voice on your call as a separate sound file, which is brilliant if you're making podcasts because it really helps in terms of editing. And so if you put that setting on and you connect up with people, then you can record and you can record a podcast straight away. And like with your phone recording app, it's very simple and very straightforward and most people can now do it. So if you want to get guests on who aren't very tech savvy, then you should be able to get them through Zoom. And if you get them to record their side of the audio as well, using their phone and send you that then you've got the Zoom as your backup because it's not quite as good a quality recording as they'll be able to get on their phone. But if they can't do their phone, then Zoom is fine. And that's something that we've been learning and has changed through these pandemic times. We've all learned to listen to audio in the kind of ways that I've been encouraging in this talk, that messy sound isn't as much of a barrier for people and people are more prepared to listen to DIY quality sound. They're more prepared to listen to Zoom recordings, more prepared to listen to recordings made on phones. And all of that is brilliant for those of us who want to make podcasts cheaply and efficiently in ways which fit around our lives and allow us to capture the best content that we can get with the most appropriate sound quality for that content. So in the future, maybe I should change the name of this talk to podcasting on a Zoom string. But maybe not, because it doesn't quite make sense and it doesn't really communicate the idea as clearly as my original. Thanks very much for listening. You can listen to Getting Better Acquainted's back catalogue. There's loads of it to listen to. So if you've not heard Getting Better Acquainted before, there's plenty of audio to listen to. The further back you go, the less I personally relate to the version of me that you'll hear. But it's all there. There's also Down to a Sunless Sea, which is a new podcast that I made after these talks so I don't mention it in these talks at all but it's uh, a podcast about my relationship with my dad and his experience of dementia and old age um, where I have lots of conversations with him and creative non-fiction writing about our relationship and that's also mixed in with some conversations with experts around themes that come up in the show it was recommended uh, by Miranda Sawyer in the Observer it was part funded by the Wellcome Trust and the British Podcast Awards and it's maybe the best podcast that I've ever made so do give that a listen it's on the Getting Better Acquainted feed so you don't have to go anywhere but here if you want to listen to it but 
but it's also got its own feed that specifically is dedicated to it. Do check it out, Down to Asunder Sea. I'm very, very proud of it. You can find that and all of the work that I do at DavePickeringStoryteller.co.uk and you can find me on Twitter at GooseFat101. <laughs>